into cybersecurity? There's a ton of content out there, and if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Today is October 26th. It is a Thursday. Welcome to episode number 481 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I am your host, Dr. Gerald Ogier. And over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Marcus Kyler, Yeet, Emilio Garcia, Kenyon, Jonathan, Matthew Necci, Leon Elliott, Jesse Johnson in the recovery room, James Gregorio, Mr. Daniel Lowry in the house, Lazaro Rivera, Omar Alvarez on Team Replay later today. Robert Moss, Stephanie Strauss, the blue-badged Stephen H., Johnny Five, Valentino, my man C. Bright. We're all going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day, and I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner, or if you're looking to break into the industry, we got you covered. Believe me, you're going to be asked in any single job interview, how do you stay current in the industry? Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is a phenomenal answer. I am biased, so you know, do your own research on that. Uh, but we got a great show for you today. It is Thursday, which means it is What's Your Meme Thursday. Uh, Dan Reardon develops a custom meme every single Thursday for the community. And my friends, we got a Halloween-themed uh, one today, so stay tuned for that at the mid-roll. Super excited. Before we dig into the show, though, I'd love to share the stream sponsors with you. Pay the bills as it were, starting with my good friend Eric Taylor over at Barricade Cyber Solution. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses recover from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners. Woo! Leon Elliott with the, with the uh, uh, squad uh, gifted sub. Thank you, Leon Elliott. Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. Also want to say shout out and love to Panopsi Security. Panopsi, get a partner who understands your cybersecurity program, your business goals, and literally can help you go from reactive to proactive and really mature, level up your cyber program. Whether you got an ad hoc situation going, you're using CIS 18, you're using NIST CSF, what it, ISO, you're one, of, you're one of those people, you European Union folks, I see you. They got you covered. Whatever you need, they are basically fractional VCSOs and they know exactly how to help people out. Also much love for anti-siphon training, but more about them at the mid-roll. Guys, I want to remind you, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Brief podcast is worth half a CPE. But Daniel Lowry, my friend, asks what? What's half a CPE do for me, Jerry? I've got certs for days. I need, I need, you know, those are rookie numbers. We need to pump those numbers, Jerry. Well, here's the deal. They stack half a CPE today, two and a half a week, 10 a month, 30 a quarter. What? This, this rocket ship just took off, my friends. You're going to have CPEs for days. CPEs are continuing professional education. If you have a cybersecurity certification, you need to maintain it with CPEs. That's what it is. So if you don't have certs, don't sweat it. You're cool for now. Just be chill. Um, the way that you can do it, what the shells in the house knows what's up. Listen, uh, take, a, uh, take, like, take a screen cap. We'll read right there. Smash that like button. Screen cap it. File it away. Put today's date as the file name. Just build a pile of them. And when you submit your CPEs, every once in a while you get audited. You just dump the archive on the auditor and say, I'll see you later, pal. Or, you know, you could be like, welcome to the party, pal. Um, 
So what, what else was I saying? Oh, hashtag team live. If you're in chat, hashtag team replay again, shout out to Omar Alvarez. I see you with the blue badge and team replay long time. Uh, first time. Hey, Ms. Julian in the house and Lobo's up in here. Uh, we got the mod teams, Kimberly, Jenny Housley, Jesse Johnson. Thanks so much mods for all you do. If you are here for the first time and you're like, what is all this action? What is going on? My friends, this is the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing Podcast. If it's your first episode, Kimberly knows what's up. Say hashtag first timer in chat. We got a sound effect for you. We got special emotes for you. We are a very inclusive, welcoming community. Coffee cup cheers to all of you. I'm going to take a slug and then we're going to get down to business. Mm. Oh my God. Oh, oh, that's some good coffee, yo. Hey, Migdalia's back in the house. Good morning, Migdalia. Good to see you back in the streams. All right, y'all, do me a favor. Sit back, relax, and let's let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over all of us in an awesome wave. I will see you all at the mid-roll. From the CISO series, it's Cybersecurity Headlines. These are the cybersecurity headlines for Thursday, October 26, 2023. I'm Rich Straffolino. SMIC making advanced chips with ASML tech. Bloomberg sources say China's largest domestic chip producer used ASML's immersion-deep ultraviolet machines to produce <laughs> advanced chips for Huawei smartphones. SMIC produced a 7-nanometer chip with the equipment, something that recent U.S. export bans have looked to stop going to China. ASML never exported its most advanced chip-making equipment to the country. However, analysts say it is possible to retool its less advanced models to produce advanced chips. The company couldn't justify this in a competitive market, but SMIC received significant state assistance to produce these chips. It's believed Chinese firms stockpiled less advanced ASML chip-making equipment for years prior to the more stringent export bans. All right. Uh, just so for community, uh, awareness, production, uh, operational update or whatever. I did get in at like one 30 AM last night. I had some flight troubles coming back from Tampa. So I am trying to hardline this, uh, French roast into my veins, uh, to be able to bring you guys these hot takes on all these things. So just, you know, grant me some grace now. Hey, really quickly. If you are a regular of the simply cyber daily cyber threat briefing, this story may seem mem like oh wait didn't we just talk about this didn't we just talk about this well check this out um espionage um yeah so this was in the news just a couple days ago asml says ex-employee stole chip data hmm next story controversial chip <laughs> from huawei being produced using asml machine hmm well it seems, you know, I guess if you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly. So following through execution, way to go, China. So they committed espionage, got some type of uh, insider threat going, uh, brought over the technology, and now they're producing it. This is all in direct response to um, all of the um, like kind of uh, export bans and, and pressures, economic pressures, all those things that the United States and its allies have been pushing down on China to slow down the ability for them to create semiconductor technology. Um, again, this is not, it's not like they get a semiconductor and now they, you know, there's a new world order. But in order to develop advanced technologies, weapon systems, um, you know, computers, AI, all this stuff, right? You need, you need the raw materials, um, which would be semiconductors, right? And I get that semiconductors are not raw materials. You use raw materials to make semiconductors, semiconductors to make advanced computers. So please don't mince words with me, but you know what I'm saying. So China, you know, for, for all it's worth, you know, uh, they've been uh, suppressed in a way with, with making this technology and they're doing what they need to do as a nation, frankly, in order to continue to make this technology. I don't know, like for me and you, I, this doesn't really um, have a day-to-day -day impact. It's not like I'm going to go to my, my risk register and reevaluate um, some type of identified threat or identified risk and increase the likelihood because Huawei is now making uh, semiconductor tech into uh, their phones, right? So this is more of just a 
interesting visibility thing. Uh, actually, you know what? Hey, Raymond Napoli, uh, shout out to Raymond Napoli. Um, really quickly, I do not prepare or research or do any prep work for the show. So you're getting my honest initial thoughts and actions. Um, while China has been doing all this work to get the semiconductor technology, um, Raymond uh, Napoli does bring up an interesting point of the clipper chip. Um, this is an old school thing. The clipper chip was in the United States, but basically the idea is that you can embed a you know government backdoor essentially onto technology. Now, China doesn't need ASML technology and semiconductor techs to bake in uh, clipper chips into uh, their technologies that are coming out of Huawei, but it is worth noting that they could be doing that. It would be totally on brand for China to do that. And Huawei, while it's, I'm pretty sure it's banned from use in the United States government, um, Huawei technology could get into the hands of citizens that are not Chinese citizens and allow kind of spying capabilities. I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole, um, but let me say Bloomberg, uh, oh my God, uh, super micro spy chip, right? Like, hold on one second. Oh, let me show you this picture, okay? This this story was big a couple years ago. People lost their mind in our community. Um, this was basically the same thing. This was supposed to be a uh, a clipper chip for all intents and purposes that a Chinese manufacturer was baking into super micro uh, servers that you know are typically used in like uh, AWS data centers and, and, and Azure data centers and stuff like that. And everybody was like, ah, like China's going to be in everything now. Uh, it, it not, there was no evidence to ever support this. Again, our information security community roundly uh, dismissed and, and questioned the validity of this story. If you were around, you know what I'm talking about. Um, so just Raymond Napoli brings up a good point. It could be that. Uh, but guys, this is what happens. You commit espionage, you steal technology, then you implement it in your workflows, right? That, that's what's going on here. Also, ASML, not to be confused with ASMR. Roundcube webmail exploited with zero day. Security researchers at ESET disclosed that the Russian-linked threat actor Winter Vivern began exploiting a zero day against the open source webmail software Roundcube on October 11th. The attackers send a malicious email message that uses a cross-site <laughs> scripting flaw to load arbitrary code into a user's browser window. Ultimately, this looks to exfiltrate messages to a C2 server. Bleeby Computer reported the group targeted European government entities and think tanks with these attacks. What? Okay. Winter Vivern. Okay. So, all right. Winter Vivern, uh, aligned with Belarus and Russia, is attacking think tanks. Now... You know, immediately you want to say uh, espionage. It looks like I. It looks like they're using some type of um, interpreted program. Uh, you know, maybe JavaScript or Python or something. Well, it says var. Uh, I don't know what language this is. It's not Python though. But um, anyways, it's cross-site scripting. Oh, it's JavaScript. It's cross-site scripting JavaScript. Um, and you know, they're using it to attack uh, something called Roundcube. Here's the deal. If you are using Roundcube webmail, period, full stop, like you're at risk of this. Now, hopefully Roundcube has addressed this. Like if we're hearing about it in the news story on, you know, October 26, Roundcube knows about it, right? <laughs> like, it's not like you're, uh, you're an administrator or a software developer at Roundcube and you're, you're part of the Simply Cyber community and you like take a sip and you're like spitting coffee all over your monitor right now because you're hearing this story. Roundcube definitely knows about this. Hopefully they've taken advantage of it. Um, one interesting thing that always kind of keeps, it's just interesting to me. Like I've never heard of Roundcube. I don't know if anyone else has heard of Roundcube. I don't know if it's popular in Europe, perhaps, because that's where who's being targeted, European think tanks. But like when I think think tank, I think like, you know, well-established, well-funded organization, which then makes me think like Office 365 or Google Suite or, you know what I mean? Like, like not Roundcube. What the hell is, I'm sorry, Kennedy. What, like, what is Roundcube? Has anyone heard of it? Am I living in a bubble? Is it because I only listen into one band and I, I like don't, I'm not on Facebook? Like, why would a think tank be using an open source webmail software solution versus like an enterprise grade software solution for email? Guys, I don't need to like, just to reiterate, 
Email is very important. It's how people communicate. Everyone uses it. Threat actors use it all the time. Like it, 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 it's, it's, it's everywhere, right? Why would you, why would you like roll your own here? Like, I don't know. It just seems a little sus to me. Um, but again, if you're using round cube, be on the lookout. Philadelphia is weak. Somehow it gets worse. How do you make losing game seven of the NLCS at home even worse? Ooh, too How about soon. disclosing months-long access to municipal email systems? In a statement, Philadelphia city officials said threat actors gained access to some city email accounts from May 26th to July 28th. IT staff first noticed suspicious activity on May 24th. In August, the city discovered some accounts included protected health information. Other information accessed included names, addresses, social security numbers, and financial information. It's unclear how many email accounts this impacted. This isn't the first institution in the city to get hit with a cyber attack recently, with both the Philadelphia Inquirer and the Philadelphia Orchestra experiencing cyber attacks in 2023. All right, so a couple of things. One, shout out to Tony Roy. Uh, Tony Roy has used Roundcube. I guess it's a... Um... It's a web UI for a mail server. So I guess there is some utility there. It's just, I don't know. It's just, I don't know, man. Like, just, I don't know. So thanks, Tony, uh, for that. Okay, so Philly, um, I got to tell you, this is how, like, desensitized I am uh, at this point. Philly, uh, the municipality gets hit. Hackers are in there for months. Did not suffer a ransomware attack. I'm going to call, like, um, judges. All right, I, I got to come up with a uh, like the um, like the the um, oh my god, the Family Feud like ding like sound like judges. All right, we're gonna clear that. That's actually a win, right? Having hackers dormant in your environment sucks. Like, make no mistake, you definitely do not want that. But when you hear a municipality gets hit and it's just a data breach and it's not a full-on ransomware attack. I'm going to I'm going to chalk that up in the win column uh frankly um who knows what they were doing in there uh for months they got into the government's email accounts uh a bunch of information obviously compromised um including you know people's uh personal identifiable information so obviously there's going to be a little bit of cleanup regarding that um I would argue if I had to guess okay if I had here's here's my speculative hot take again I don't do any prep for the show. So this is just coming to me live in my brain right now. Here's what I think. The um, the potential attack vector, which may actually have uh, been achieved, was business email compromise, if I had to guess, right? To me, if you're going to stare at people's emails and lay dormant and not try to move uh, laterally or get into the environment in any way, you are um, there's a high probability that you're looking at behaviors, you're looking at vendors that the municipality is working with, you're looking at accounts payable, accounts receivable, and then trying to drop in um, and either change an account number or just send an invoice straight up and get the, uh, the city of Philadelphia to uh, basically fraudulently give you money as a business email compromise. So if I had to guess, that's that's what's going on here. Uh, good on them for catching it. You know, municipalities, have, as we have covered on the show in the past, are traditionally underfunded, um, stressed out. They got a lot of IT people doing infosec. Not, not that that's a problem. I'm not. <laughs> that sounded like I was like um, lifting my nose up and being like, "Oh, IT people." What I'm saying is they don't have. In a lot of instances, they don't have dedicated infosec people. They got matrix staff. They got people like BSEC who's wearing two hats, running around trying to make sure packets are flowing, but also making sure that there's an infosec policy that is signed off by the business. So uh, anyways, good on Philly for catching it. Bad for Philly that it was a data breach, but good for Philly that it wasn't a ransomware incident. I'm going to call it a win. Amazon to launch European Sovereign Cloud. Amazon Web Services said it will launch this offering for customers in government and highly regulated industries. This will see data stored on servers located in the EU with EU resident employees overseeing operations and support. The service will launch first in Germany before expanding to all EU customers. This comes as the EU and US continue to hammer out new international data transfer agreements with previous ones thrown out in court in the EU over privacy concerns. All right. I hate to be such a cynical uh, SOB, but <laughs> all right. Cash rules everything around me. I got my cream going here. Here's my uh, thoughts on this one. 
again, I hate to be so cynical. The, you know what this um, title reads to me? The title says Amazon rolls out independent cloud for Europe. What I read is Amazon decides it's cheaper to build out a data center in Europe than to pay fines for GDPR. That's that's what I read <laughs> when I saw this story. I'm like, oh, Amazon finally got broke and uh, figured it's cheaper to just roll on that. Uh, obviously, uh, the European Union has GDPR, which is very, very strict privacy standards with really sharp teeth, uh, tons of fines. You can Google GDPR fines and meta uh, to pick an example uh, to see tons of them. If I had to guess, um, the European Union has implemented something akin to like FedRAMP in the United States where they're saying, listen, we've got these big, fat, juicy, straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie. Um, contracts, government contracts, right? Germany, financial powerhouse, Germany um, wants to do you know business in the cloud. And you, you will not be able to bid on those contracts unless you can demonstrate that you have a dedicated... Um, you know, GDPR compliant environment, right? So I'm being a little facetious about the fines at the beginning, but I bet you that has something to do with it. Amazon definitely wants to be able to bid on these big fat billion dollar contracts. And if they don't have this in place, um, they're not even going to be allowed to submit a proposal. So that at the end of the day, this is straight cash, homie. This is not Amazon doing right by European citizens. Believe that. Um, if GDPR didn't exist, Amazon would definitely just roll on, uh, uh, you know, the normal data center they have um, and what they do. Uh, good on them, though. Um, definitely, you know, see, look, it's, yeah, Germany. Look, I didn't even know this. I Like, I haven't read this story. Germany will be the first AWS region. Big surprise. Dude, Germany? Great cash, homie. Germany's got money for days, guys. They are the financial powerhouse. Of course, AWS wants to get in there. Hey, come on over here, my friend. We'll go to Hamburg. Get some, get some, uh, I don't know, what, schnitzel? Is that what they do in Germany? Is schnitzel a German thing? I don't know. Catch me outside, how about that? <laughs> All the IT people coming after me for throwing shade at them. All right, let's keep rolling. And now a word from our sponsor, Vanta. Growing a business, that likely means more tools, third-party vendors, and data sharing, aka way more risk. Vanta's market-leading trust management platform brings GRC and security efforts together. Integrate information from multiple systems and reduce risk to your business and your brand, all without the need for additional staffing. And by automating up to 90% of the work from SOC 2, ISO 27001, and more, you'll be able to focus on strategy and security, not maintaining compliance. Join 5,000 fast-growing companies that leverage Vanta to manage risk and prove security in real time. Our listeners get $1,000 off Vanta. Go to vanta.com slash CISO to claim this discount. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash CISO. All right. The longtime members of the community might notice that we're way ahead of schedule, six minutes ahead of the half hour, but... Um, I'm telling you guys, I'm I'm running on fumes right now. Uh, so uh, we're we're doing a little expeditious uh, about here. But if you're, uh, we didn't even get any first timers, did we? Is there a first timer? If you're, if this is your first episode, if episode 481 is where you're at for the first time, hashtag first timer in chat. Let's have a a shout out there. I have a request for episode 500. Drink a pot of crank coffee. All right, Gary. Maybe we will do that. Maybe we will do that, Gary. All right, y'all. I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to all of you. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Thank you for taking time out of your day to be part of the Simply Cyber community. I genuinely appreciate it. Shout out to Daniel Lowry for making it here today. I know Daniel's a busy man. I was just down in Tampa, his his kind of area. Um, got some good, good stories down there. Shout out to... Uh, Raymond James for hosting me yesterday. I had a great experience with them. Yes, Spigot. What's up, Spigot? All right. Hey, guys, I want to thank the stream sponsors, Barricade Cyber, Panopsi, and Anti-Siphon Training. Anti-Siphon Training is not ACI Learning. Anti-Siphon Training is here to disrupt the traditional training industry by providing high-quality, cutting-edge education to everyone, regardless of their financial position. They offer their students awesome education taught by really, really accomplished, capable uh, InfoSec professionals. 
go to the link in the description below for anti-siphon training bookmark it pay what you can training i would recommend you go there all these courses right here absolutely free if you want them you pay what you can if you can pay zero don't sweat it we got you bro come in in here i will tell you right here october 31st if my schedule allows it i will be taking um api testing course i would love to know more about api testing uh here's an example of one of these uh things i i, I think actually it, but whatever anyways anti-siphon training check it out awesome 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 uh, guys, if you are getting value from the show, if you're getting value from the show, whether it's entertainment value, getting a couple chuckles up in here with the ASMR bits or how I'm throwing shade at IT, or you're getting educational value. You're like, Jerry, that was an interesting take on Amazon's movement into the European theater. Either way, if you're getting value, the easiest way to say thank you is to hit the like button. Not because I'm like, ooh, look how many likes I got. People like me. It's because it triggers the YouTube algorithm and actually finds more people searching for cybersecurity content on YouTube and brings them in here. And that's how we grow the community. That's how first timers get in here. What's up, Chuck Sap in chat? Love me some Chuck Sap. All right, guys. Hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Oh, oh, yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about Alexa A in a second here. Hey, Emmanuel Brown uh, Dark has the baton. Emmanuel, thank you so much for continuing the Simply Cyber Community Challenge tradition. I would love for you to pass the baton, Emmanuel. Here's the deal. If you would like to supercharge your LinkedIn feed, if you would like to build your, your professional network with supportive, inclusive, like-minded cybersecurity professionals, do the following. Go on LinkedIn. Search for this hashtag. We've weaponized it. Connect with the people using this hashtag and comment on their posts. One day you'll get the baton and it will be your post. But if you connect with the people in comments and in the posts and you comment too, it, it becomes recursion. You will now get picked up. People will see you in the comments. People will connect with you. Believe me, two weeks time, you will build a professional network on LinkedIn that's meaningful, makes your LinkedIn feed awesome, and it's just, guys, I cannot emphasize enough how important and valuable professional networking is. Don't sleep on this. Get going. This is a wicked easy way to do it. Thank you to the community for the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Um, Emmanuel, I, I look forward to who you tag. All right, guys, it's What's Your Meme Thursday. Every single Thursday, Haircut Fish, a.k.a. Dan Reardon, makes a custom meme. And here we are. Happy Halloween, everybody. Classic. Universal Pictures, like 1947, Frankenstein. <laughs> uh, Frankenstein, thanks so much, Dan Reardon. Definitely appreciate it. Definitely appreciate it. All right, guys, let's slide into the stories. Pleads in espionage case. Jera Sebastian. Oh, hold on, hold on. I missed, I missed something, y'all. I would like to say shout out to... One Alexa A. Alexa A got a shout out that she managed to land her first cyber role and starts on Monday. LinkedIn networking, turning tuning into the daily cyber threat briefing paid off. You bet your bottom dollar it does. I came in like a Guys, we got so many sound effects on the board. The wrecking ball one is hands down my favorite to play because it means somebody broke in somebody got a job in industry i freaking love playing that sound effect i do love uh i do love all the sound effects of course right cool. like like carl a classic right great cash homie of course a classic but wrecking ball congratulations alexa i hope you straight crush it uh also uh you got chuck Wu, uh first timer Nailed it. All right, let's keep going. And Dalkey, a former NSA information. Well, Xavier, first timer. Welcome to the party, pal. Thank you for being a first timer. Hope you come back. Hope you're getting value. Information security systems designer pleaded guilty to six charges of violating the Espionage Act. The FBI caught Dalkey in a sting operation, getting him to hand over secrets under the guise of Russian spies. Documents sent included national security information, which he sold for about $16,000 in cryptocurrency. You he Idiot. faces sentencing in April. As part of a plea deal, he could see a sentence no greater than 22 years. 
What an asshat. I'm sorry. Listen, bro, you work for the NSA. You're selling secrets to what you think is Russia for 16 grand? Six account, six counts of espionage act? Dude, you're lucky. I I'm sorry. Okay, like I know I'm not a lawyer. I don't offer legal advice. I didn't study the law. This dude is lucky he's not being tried for treason and being put to death. I think death is the penalty for treason, if I'm not mistaken. I might, I might be um I might be misinformed, but dude, you're selling freaking national secrets to not like to to I mean I'm not saying Russia's our adversary and like we're in a war or something like that, but what are you doing? What are you doing? Seriously. Also, shout out and love regulators. Mauna. So like was the, the FBI or you know whoever, right? NSA, FBI, whoever it was that did this sting operation. I have to assume it was the FBI um, who did the sting operation to catch this dude and basically get him to, you know, to, to follow through. And, and basically, at the end of the day, not give national security secrets away to other countries. Um, lapses in judgment. Oh my God. Ooh, looks like how he got caught was by system logs. All right, make sure your auditing is turned on. This 31-year-old could go to jail for 22 years. Um, enjoy that little stint, my friend. Um, let this dude, it, he transmitted excerpts from three classified documents and sent four to an FBI online covert employee. Yes, of course. He was a former U.S. Army soldier employed at the NSA. The NSA, uh, he resigned after the NSA denied his request for extended leave to take care of a sick family member. Oh my God. You know what, man? It's too bad. Like, listen, um, I'm not going to get too much into this, but I have been uh, educated a little bit on this. When you are trying to convince an asset to turn uh, into a spy, basically, to, to go against their country... Sometimes it's money, right? I will give you a ton of money. Sometimes there's other uh, levers you can pull. And in this one, you know, you hear the story, $16,000 and you're going to go to jail for 22 years. And you're like, you're fool. Great cash, homie. You're fool, $16,000. Like, but you know, it sounds like this dude, it wasn't about the money. Yeah, the money's fine. But he asked for extended leave to take care of a sick family member and he was denied. Now. You know, uh, I don't know, man. I mean, think about it, right? Like, imagine someone comes to you and says, like, hey, I, I, I mean, I, I guess I don't know, right? Like, extended leave. Like, uh, uh, the NSA is a government, so that's it's like a nonprofit. So it's a little different than a for-profit business. But, like, if, if an employee came to you and said, hey, my mom's sick, I need to take three months off, what do you do? I mean, you can't, you can't necessarily pay them for three months, right? You could say your job will be here when you come back. You could say, I can't do that because we need you for the mission or we have to put somebody in place. It's a tough situation. But I will say in no way does it justify selling classified or disclosing classified information to anyone. Um, that's why it's classified. You know? So anyways, um, this dude, insider threat, got caught, you know, straight, straight busted, homie. Um, let's see. He was $237,000 in debt, 93K about to be due soon. Um, so this dude, hey, you know what? This dude, maybe this guy's got complicated things. And guys, okay, okay. So I want to tell you this, okay? Like, so in the show... I, we cover the top cyber news stories of the day, and I try to give people who are acting professionals or those aspiring to be in the profession knowledge that they can use related to the story, whether it's tactically so you can do something today or strategically long term. Okay. This is, there's two things I want to share with you here about this story as it comes to me. One, this is clear, obviously, this is an insider threat, right? So you can't go around just uh, casting doubt and 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 fear into your employees you're like oh one of you is gonna like like you're uh jesus at the last supper and you're like 
call an all hands meeting. You're like, one of you is going to betray me. Like you can't, you can't do that at work day in and day out, but you do have to discreetly be logging, uh, doing least privilege, doing least use on systems to ensure that the temptation and the opportunity for insider threat is limited. Now, I also want to point out, maybe this Dalkey guy did a background screening when he first got hired and there was no financial issues, right? Well, things change. You know, people get sick, medical bills stack up, and now you're in a position to be compromised. Nation state adversaries, threat actors at the highest level, they look for these things, right? Maybe you got a gambling problem. Let's lean into that. Maybe you got an opioid problem. Let's lean into that. Maybe your spouse is cheating on you. Let's lean into that, right? So humans are very dynamic individuals with very complicated lives. And, you know, you might be not an insider threat yesterday and you become one today, not because you're a bad person, but because when you're pushed into a corner and you see no way out other than, you know, crappy choice one or crappy choice two, you got to make a crappy choice one way or the other. And that sounds like what this dude, uh, what happened to this dude. Now, again, none of that justifies trying to sell classified security secrets to anybody. But I just want to point out from an insider threat perspective, right? Just because Zach Choate, hey, Zach, not, you know, with all due respect, I'm about to throw you under the bus. Just because Zach Choate is a good guy today doesn't mean that his situation can't change. And then he makes decisions that are out of character for Zach Choate, but make sense for his current situation. So just be mindful of insider threats. It's literally not the guy wearing the hoodie who has like, uh, he's like introverted and doesn't talk to people and seems really, really shady at the break room, sits by himself. Like, yeah, that could be an insider threat. But, you know, Jody in accounting who bakes cookies on Halloween, she could become an insider threat too because her kid gets sick or something, right? So just, just be mindful of that, okay? Social sign-in flaw exposes accounts. Researchers at... And in full disclosure, Zach Chode is, 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 has been cleared of any wrongdoing. Salt Security published a report detailing vulnerabilities. Okay, Daniel Lowry. Let me explain really quickly. Daniel Lowry is in chat right now saying he doesn't know what the Simply Cyber Community Challenge is. I assume Emmanuel is talking to him. Z Daniel Lowry, allow me really quickly to explain. The Simply Cyber Community Challenge, as I outlined during the mid-roll, is an ongoing initiative done by the Simply Cyber community where one person gets the baton. Emmanuel currently has the baton. I think she's trying to hand it to you. Whoever holds the baton that day goes on LinkedIn and posts their cyber story. What is it about cyber that motivates you? Where did you come from? What was your story? You share it and you use the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge so everybody else in the community can easily find your post. And then they comment on it. They connect with you. They, you, you like, we get a little bit of a, a little bit of a taste of who is this person? Who is Emmanuel? Who is Daniel Lowry? And we build it and um, you, you connect and then you start building this like cluster of awesome people on LinkedIn. So that's what the Simply Cyber Community Challenge is, Daniel. And for those who wanted more information. Social sign-in and OAuth implementations. The report found many high-profile sites with these vulnerabilities. It named Video, Grammarly, and Bukalopak as examples. Using a pass-the-token attack, a threat actor could ultimately gain unauthorized access to these services. The main problem with implementation comes down to an improper token verification process, opening the door to using a token obtained from another site. With the site Video, for example, researchers could log in using a Facebook token. Salt Security contacted the companies named in the report, who subsequently fixed their implementations. Okay. So this is a good bit of research. Uh, shout out. This is really good uh, pub uh, publicity for Salt Securities, Salt Labs research team. I've never heard of Salt Securities, but guess what? I've heard of them now. And if I have, if I see some information coming out about API security and I see Salt Security, I'm going to say, okay, that's probably legit. Let's check this out. Okay, so here's the deal. Uh, when you log into you know a website and you can like like basically if you don't implement OAuth correctly, apparently according to Salt Security, I could log into Facebook and then take my Facebook token and authenticate into Video uh, and Buka Lapak 
but I, I never heard of that. Or Grammarly, just log right in, right? It's like it's like the key says, oh, I logged into Facebook. The key is acceptable over here. Now, wh why is this a, a risk? Well, because like maybe I'm a little less secure about my Facebook activity, but I'm really concerned with my Grammarly because you know I use Grammarly for all my sensitive documentation, you know, uh, uh, business uh, document, excuse me, business documentation, etc. So I have a, a different risk profile for my Facebook stuff than I do for my Grammarly stuff. But if a threat actor gets my Facebook token, they can log into Grammarly, right? So there is a there is a increased risk, and 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 frankly, an uh, un um like an unknown threat to an individual who doesn't know that that token can be used across platforms. Looks like they fixed it. This is it. This is individual per. Uh, SaaS application, obviously, right? This is the way video implements the OAuth, the way Grammarly implements the OAuth. Now, what I do want to spend a hot minute talking about, I was asked this yesterday by uh, Raymond James folks too. And I mentioned it at the mid-roll with the anti-siphon training. Guys, right now, um, mods, can I get the uh, Will Farrow, uh so hot? I, I think I might need a, um, I think I might need to make a sound effect for this. Ooh, Daniel Lowry's got the baton. All right. Hey, so check this out. Um, right now, API security is, is so hot. <laughs> oh, API security is so hot. Listen, API application programming interface, like when we go online and use like Timu or TikTok or TikTok or whatever, Snapface, like when we're using these things, the app itself is how we interface with it. But on the back end, the app is reaching out to the systems via API calls. Now, that's an end user using it, but you can have API calls, make API calls. You can write scripts that call API calls. This is why getting an API key um, set up allows you to like automate things and do orchestration of type things, right? So here's the deal. In 2023, I would I would argue that almost all SaaS applications have some type of API um, capability, right? There's some type of interface because that's just the way that modern um, web apps are made. This is a huge exposure, a huge attack surface. And if you don't understand API security, which by the way, I'm fully admitting that my API security game is juvenile at best. I want to learn more about API security. I've actually bought the TCM course and have yet to take it. Come on, December. December is my uh, time to um, to nerd out and, and get more education. But anyways, right now, if you're a practitioner, if you're a um, aspiring person to work in the industry, cloud's obviously wicked hot. But I would, I would argue if you've got some chops on programming, right? If you're a software dev or you're just a little bit more comfortable with like Python and stuff like that, API security is a very hot, untapped area of opportunity. A lot of people aren't good. Like right now, if I said, okay, like here's a SaaS application, how secure is the APIs? How do you, how do you, how do you answer that? Right? Like what, like, I don't even know, like, how do you test it? How do you validate it? How do you audit it? Dude, developers, with all due respect, I was a developer, so I can say this. Dude, developers, if you look under the hood of software, it's a freaking dumpster fire. A lot of duct tape, a lot of, lot of tape and bubble gum going on in there. Uh, and it just works, okay? So that's fine. But guys, hey, I'm a developer. I wrote this function through the API. Uh, it didn't really work the way we wanted it, or the customer had different requirements. You know what I forgot to do? Comment out the code. You know what I forgot to do? Remove the function. So there's all sorts of like undocumented functions that you can call via API. There's additional arguments you can pass. Like say, say the documentation says, oh, you can call this API and you need to pass a token and you need to pass like, I don't know, a, a query, right? To chat GPT. Well, yeah, that does work and that's documented. But maybe you can also pass it what uh, what version of ChatGPT you want, right? A third variable, three, five, or four. Maybe you want to go YOLO and you type in five. And there's a there's a completely beta version of ChatGPT five no one even knows about, but you can access it because the freaking API is written to allow that. But it's an undocumented function, right? The, the, all of these situations are real and they happen. 
Anyways, in conclusion, I'm telling you right now, API security is a hot area and one that a lot of people are not looking at and don't know. I personally want to get more into API um, security, it, it, more so I'm a better practitioner, not because I want to be like, um, you know, I don't... <laughs> I don't want to be like the, the keyboardist from sticks, like working two keyboards, like, like just grinding Python and APIs. No, I just want to be more informed, more educated so I can talk about it and, and be able to do it if I get contracted uh, by a, a client uh, to help them with their API security. VMware patches EOL vCenter exploit. VMware issued a patch for a critical vCenter server vulnerability that allows for remote code execution due to an out-of-bounds write issue with its DCE RPC implementation. The issue isn't being actively exploited, but it could allow for low-complexity attacks from remote attackers without any user interaction, aka pretty bad. Given the potential threat of the exploit and with no other workaround mitigations, VMware released patches for several end-of-life products. Didn't VMware get acquired by somebody? Like something weird. Didn't someone weird buy him? Like like Qualcomm or something? Didn't I'm I'm sorry. I know that, that that's uh not exactly germane to what's going on uh, with this story, but uh I feel like they got bought by somebody that was kind of weird. Broadcom. Yeah, Broadcom. Okay, so uh VMware, uh, you know, whatever. Like the fact that Broadcom bought them doesn't necessarily relate to this story, but if you're running VMware. Um, there is a serious vulnerability, 9.8 out of 10, according to the CVSS score. Uh, here's here's a here's a spoiler alert. Okay, when you do a vulnerability scoring, this doesn't take into account your environment, and it does not take into account um, level of exploitation. Now they said that it's not actively being exploited in the wild, which means that um, it's not a 10 out of 10, right? Like. Here's this is like this is like a fact. You can take this to the bank, okay? When there's a really bad vulnerability, and really bad is subjective, but really bad, um, we can all agree, like not good, right? Oh, easy to compromise, massive issues. The industry gives it a 9.8, okay? And the point two is reserved for when it's being actively exploited in the wild. I have never in my you know 20-year career, I've never seen a 9.9. Okay, it's 9.8 is really bad. Get your, get, oh my, sorry, I almost swore. Get your crap together. And then 10 means, oh, it's being actively exploited in the wild. You really got to get going, bro. Uh, that's what's up. So you'll see 9.8 a lot. You'll see 10 a lot. It, it, the basically, that's, that's what it means. 9.8 means it's really bad. We haven't seen it exploited. 10 means it's actively being exploited. Okay. Um, this one is uh, pretty easy to compromise, uh, according to the story. Um, they do need network access to the box, so uh, they would have to be inside your environment. But if you're already compromised and they're moving laterally, uh, like 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 Philadelphia, right? Say Philly was running VMware. This could have been bad for them, uh, guys. Do me a favor. Here's here's the best uh, best practice, okay? And uh, BSEC can, I guess, uh, either approve or deny this statement. We as practitioners are not patching vCenter, okay? We're not doing that. What we are doing is throwing this over the fence to our IT counterparts and saying, "Hey, hey, we saw this. Can we really need to get this sorted out?" Um, so, what I would recommend. And I know you don't have budget for this, but what I would recommend is uh, swing by Krispy Kreme. If the neon sign is on and they got fresh hot donuts, swing by Krispy Kreme, grab a 12 pack, slide into IT's workspace later today. Just drop them. Be like, hey, <laughs> I was thinking of y'all. Got you some Krispy Kreme. No, no, no. I don't want any. They're for you. They're for you. Hey, whoa. Did you see this VMware vCenter floor? Huh? Yeah, no, no, no. Eat your, eat your, uh, eat your Krispy Kremes. We'll talk afterwards. Mmm, excellent. Right. So make sure you get this sorted out. Obviously, we do have scanners inside the InfoSec office. So um, make sure if you can, uh, if like, if 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 for some freaking reason you have this internet facing, I don't know why you would do that, but if you have an internet facing, obviously that's not good. You want to get that sorted. Uh, make sure that the versions you're running are in scope. Um, you should still bring the Krispy Kreme donuts, by the way, but 
validate whether or not your VMware vCenter instance does fall within the scope of these vulnerable uh, uh, systems. And you know, if not, then just be a nice person and give the donuts, but otherwise get this sorted out. Um, one other thing for practitioners and aspiring practitioners alike that is worth noting, it's very uncommon for a vendor to release a patch for an end-of-life product. You see Microsoft do it from time to time for the operating system, right? So like a Windows 7 uh, security patch, right? Because these vendors are real. They don't want to support end-of-life systems, but they know that people are using them out there and they're not supporting them so they can migrate uh, onto... Um, a supported version of the systems, but sometimes it's so bad. Sometimes basically when they patch an end of life product, it's basically a community service. They're like, all right, guys, like we're not, we're not making money on this one, but we are trying to be righteous, um, digital citizens. And we do not want you to get punched in the neck. Uh, so, or punched in the throat with this one. Uh, so you don't like, if, if you see end of life patch, product patching, the vendor has identified this as really bad and you absolutely um, should perk up and definitely make sure that you either patch or um, migrate, which is even a more involved solution, but don't let it go. Do not, I, I mean, I can't even imagine people doing this, but I, I know people have done it. Do not stick your hands in your pocket and be like, well, I guess we're just going to roll the dice on this one and hope we don't get hit. Like, do not do that. Do not be apathetic. Do not kick the can down the road. Don't be a jerk if you're like, well, my last day is uh, November 3rd anyways. See ya, suckers. Don't, don't do that, all right? That's not good. Ransomware attacks hit a new high in September. A new report from NCC Group found that ransomware attacks increased 153% on the year in September. Of this, it saw a double extortion attacks up 76% on the year. Overall, it monitored 514 attacks in the month. North America saw the most attacks, accounting for 50%, followed by Europe with 30%, and Asia with 9%. Lockbit orchestrated the most attacks, accounting for 15%, but new groups like LockTrust and Ransomed VC combined for 18% of all attacks. Of the major ransomware organizations seen in recent months, CLOP saw almost no activity in September. We often talk about the seeming. <laughs> All right. So a couple things here. One, um, very timely. I, I didn't even realize. I thought the Broadcom VMware acquisition and merger uh, had already gone through, but apparently it's actually uh, clearing um, this week or the early next week for $69 billion. Billion with a B. Holy Jesus. All right. So way to go, Broadcom. Hopefully... Um, whoever's in charge of that deal like can you imagine like hopefully hopefully broadcom talk to their um their spouse right can you imagine your spouse comes home and like honey check it out i bought i bought this 69 billion dollars it's awesome it's gonna go in the living room like ah! right <laughs> all right uh so check it out uh the story here ransomware is um you know, going gangbusters, like big surprise. Welcome to 2023. Um, two interesting stories that they mentioned here. One, there's a couple new, uh, uh, a couple new hotnesses running, running um, the list right now. NCC group released this report. NCC group is a completely super legit organization. Um, my ad blocker blocked that. So you'll have to do that on your own time. Um, but they mentioned new gangs emerging. First of all, they said Clop ransomware was noticeably absent. Guys, Clop, if you're in the business of ransomware to make money, great cash, homie. Clop ransomware has done that. They are digging out from the move it um, breach that they had. Clop ransomware, dude, they've got exfil data for days. They are getting paid through the nose. They don't need to commit ransomware operations anymore, uh, frankly. Like, here's the deal. When you see Clop ransomware resurface, that means that they finally have completed all of their work around the move it data breaches. If I had to guess, we won't see Clop ransomware until like June 2024, right? They're probably going to take a little vacation. I mean, how much money is enough at some point, right? Um, they mentioned a couple of new gangs popping on the scene. Um, 
Lockbit's been around forever. Lost Trust, Black Cat. Yeah, we know them. Ransom VC, um, I don't really know them. I thought Ransom VC was like that uh, threat actor who's running around taking credit for other people's uh, cyber attacks. I might be getting that confused. There, there's definitely one that's running around claiming that they like hacked Sony when they didn't. Uh, and they also said they hacked someone else. But um, I, I say this all the time, guys, the TLDR here, you should not be protecting necessary. Like most organizations are not at the level of maturity. Yes, BSEC. If it starts in June, 2024, I'm going to be eyeballed as like a member of Cop Ransomware. Like, what are you doing? You know too much, friend. Um, most organizations in their maturity level, you're not you're not protecting from Black Cat. You're not protecting from Lockbit. What you should be doing is implementing best practices, good cyber hygiene, uh, tabletop exercises, recovering from backups, right? All the things in order to manage the risk of any ransomware attack, right? Once you reach a certain level of maturity, and if you get this far, way to go, um, then you can start looking at TTPs of specific threat actors that are targeting your industry or your region of the world. But for right now, for most of us, just, just get the basic blocking and tackling in place. Use NIST CSF, get the protections in, make sure, don't worry about the detections. The threat actors will definitely handle the detection part for you, right? They're going to tell you that they've compromised you and ransomware your stuff. Obviously I'm being a little facetious because once they get in before they do um, ransomware, they're going to do um, lateral movement and, and look around and find the juicy bits. Um, so you'll want to detect them, but guys, I can't tell you enough backups and tabletop exercises. So, so valuable. Woo! Oh, thanks Ric Flair. All right, guys, that's going to do it for prediction of entry. That's going to do it for today's show. I want to remind everybody tomorrow we are going to be doing the wet run uh, for the Simply CyberCon. And it's just another it, it's a dry run. Uh, we call it a wet run because I usually have a beer in my hand at that time. But it's, it's a wet run. We're just going to work through the green room. Uh, if you're a member volunteering, uh, Aaron, Joel, uh, Kimberly, Josh, Jerry, obviously. Um, base case. Uh, if you're if you're involved in kind of the workflows of of delivering the um, the conference, please if you can be there. Um, Eric Taylor, be uh, James McQuiggan. If if you can be there, not anything complicated. I just want to like do the green room. I want to bring a um, a person on to you know quote unquote present. I want to do the MC things. I just I want. Here's the deal, guys. There's a lot of pressure for Simply CyberCon to be awesome. I am committed, and many of the volunteers are committed to delivering an awesome experience for you as an attendee. The speakers are amazing. We have an unbelievable um, program for you guys to learn, level up, network, socialize. It's going to be a banger. And for me, doing these wet runs is how we ensure that on the day of the conference, we can straight crush it. All right? So that's what's up. Uh, come on out. It'll be a good time uh, for all those first-timers. Well, hold on. For all the first-timers. Welcome to the party, pal. Thank you, uh, Bruce Willis. All right, guys. What time is it? 8.58. This is perfect. No jawjacking today as I have to, um, I have to go teach at the Citadel. And then I think when I get home, I'm going to take a nap because <laughs> I got in wicked. I worked my A off yesterday uh, at Raymond James, and then I had flights. My flight was delayed. Uh, shout out to whatever that bar is in Terminal F at Tampa Airport. Uh, the bartender, Brooks, guy's been bartending at this, this airport bar for 20 years. A million stories. Wonderful guy. If you get a chance to meet this guy at the Tampa Airport, Definitely worth a uh, worth 15 minutes of your time. Really, really interesting dude. All right, guys. Thank you all so very much. I would appreciate, I appreciate, excuse me. I appreciate all of you. Uh, thank you to uh, Daniel Lowry for uh, grabbing the baton. Shout out to Emmanuel for uh, the LinkedIn Simply Cyber Community Challenge post. All of you be awesome. No show at 4, 4.30 today. Um, as I'm just kind of like sliding back into uh, what we're doing here. Guys, I'm Jerry, your chat. Until next time, be well and stay secure.
Everybody, I hope you enjoyed that content. Keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content and we'll see you in the next one.